This episode of the Paddock Pass Podcast is brought to you by AGV Helmets and the new AGV K6. What you need and what you want in a motorcycle helmet. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Paddock Pass podcast. We are sat here in a hotel in Arcos de la Frontera, which is a little bit up the road from uh, Jerez. And uh, normally I might be joined by uh, the uh, charming Neil Morrison. However, he is sat in his home in um, Barcelona. So I'm very fortunate indeed to have someone even more charming than Neil Morrison. Uh, as difficult as that is to believe, uh, that is Tammy Garali, uh, Israeli journalist and TV presenter for Sport 5, which, how do you say that in Israeli, in Hebrew? In, yeah, Hebrew, we say it, Arutz Chamesh. Sport Chamesh, yeah. Sport Chamesh, very good. Well, um, uh, nice to have you anyway. It was lovely to spend, you know, a few days here together. Um, a lot to talk about. It was a very interesting test and colder than you expected you've been cold all weekend haven't you yeah i've been cold all weekend because in israel we hardly get any winter uh at, at least this year and i have to mention there's no way i'm tra- more charming than neil is but uh, you know i'll take that um yeah it's been really cold it's been cold for us it's been cold for the riders and it's been especially looking at them they're all exhausted yeah, uh, 19 races is really long, 19 races, and then the test in Valencia for two days, and then a couple of days off, and then here for, for, for two days. I mean, uh, we were lucky, if you like, in that it rained on um, Tuesday afternoon, so everyone, the, the people who needed to did a few laps and uh in the wet to test the engines in the wet and uh then everyone just packed up and went home and everyone they were everyone was pretty much as over motorcycle racing as you can possibly get um obviously there was before we actually take a look at what people were testing there was some two really big pieces of news at the test uh, the first was actually both of which you managed to uncover, Tammy, which is uh, props to you. Well done. And um, the first is Mark Marquez. Um, he is, it's Wednesday today, so he should be having surgery in a few hours, either in a few hours' time or right now or whatever. Yeah, I would expect that it already started or happened or as soon as possible because uh, we, well, you gave me the hint, but I, I took it full on and I uh, started to try to find out what's going on with his shoulder because we saw something was wrong with the shoulder. We saw it. We had a hint uh, during the second, during his crash at the re- at the test. And then um, I tried to figure out. Most of the people said, well, we'll have a check. We saw him take him to Clinica Mobile at the first day of the test. And uh, we saw everybody worried because we saw everybody possible going to Clinica Mobile. We saw Puig there. We saw Pepe, who was the guy who's taking care of the um, Repsol media. We saw Jose there. We saw El Zamora, his father. So everybody went there. And we I, I've sensed that something is happening, but then they all dismissed it. And Marquez is... A fabulous actor. He really <laughs> is. He managed to dismiss it completely on the f- at the end of the first day. Yeah, because we spoke to, to him at the end of the first day, and he said it was 
fine, nothing, no look on his face whatsoever. No, nothing. and he didn't look like he was afraid of people touching him or being close to him or uh, something like that. Because and the media scrums normally, as a race, a media scrum will be, uh, or a you know, media debrief with the press, we get to talk to them. They're usually sitting behind a table and there's a nice uh, amount of distance. But at the test, it's just, you know, the rider stands there and we all crowd around him. Yeah, and there were many local journalists, not usually from the track, so they were really huddling huddling around yes huddling, and really good. it felt really tense there for a moment but he he wasn't really worried so i didn't suspect anything but then second of the test came and something was going on and finally i just grabbed mark and he just said it yeah. he just uh, told me that he's going to be uh well he he actually tried to make it a little sound a little bit easier that he's first being tested by uh, Mir, Dr. Mir in uh, Catalonia, in uh, Barcelona, and that they already had his X-rays. But then we understood a little bit more that it was. It feels like it was more planned, even though now I'm getting a little bit of a sense that they still weren't sure because some things did change for him. Yeah, because I think the the the, the crash on Monday because it was a fairly big crash um uh, he tumbled through the gravel it looks like and he uh he was away for a long you know he was in the medical center for quite a long time longer than than normal well th then they did the x-ray then they did the x-ray but he came out and he came back quite quickly it yeah. was turn 13 he also crashed in Jerez in, thir in, uh, in Valencia in turn 13 yeah. So it, it feels like something got a little bit worse there, but uh, and it feels like they're worried a little bit. But we do know that it's more of a prevention uh, surgery. It's not as bad as the left soldier, uh, soldier, Sh shoulder, <laughs> shoulder. last uh, season. Um, and uh, yeah, we are also a little bit tired, <laughs> I yeah. think. Um, and but it does feel like they're trying to take. Uh, measurements and they do have an extra week and a half than what they had last season exactly so try and sort of pin down when the uh, when this injury happened um you this morning spent this morning looking at all of his crash uh, all of his crashes because he said i think on um uh, on was it yesterday tuesday he told you sapang yeah uh, first uh, he said i'm in pain for two months then he said sapang but if you look at the crashes, you see that in Thailand he had the big one that might have affected him. We saw yeah. the crash at uh, FP1 yeah. in turn seven, and he crashed. We didn't, we couldn't see the the good footage of that crash. We saw on board, and we saw from the safety cameras around yeah. the track, and because uh, and then we saw that he landed very hardly on his right shoulder, yeah. and he was dragged on the asphalt and the and the gravel and the gravel for quite a long time on his right shoulder and then he stayed down yes. for quite a while and after that when we get the full report we can see what happened after they crash and we can see if they were taken to the medical center and if not and this one is the only crash during the season that actually states afterwards that he was declared fit which means he's been to the medical center a doctor has looked at him he, everything is still working and attached and he can go on to ride so yeah yeah, there also another thing that we noticed and we spoke about, but we couldn't connect the dots until yesterday, is that we saw Carlos, the guy, if you remember, we saw all the movies uh, that of his uh, recovery last season. We know that there was a physiotherapist who was there who had to actually move to Cervera, and that's Carlos. And uh, 
we saw him in Valencia. Of course, he was there because he's working for Clinica Mobila. But we also saw him in Jerez. And we didn't see him in Jerez as uh, working in Clinica Mobila. But I just saw him coming out of the trucks. Yeah. So I assumed he's there to just do a little bit of massage, a little bit of uh, helping Alex and maybe Mark a little bit. But it seems like there was a little bit more. And I assume he will again spend all his winter in Cervera. Yeah, because last year was a really tough year for him because, uh, you know, it was surgery and then it was, I think, four or five hours a day of physio, uh, lots of different uh, kinds of treatment to, to try and get fit again. He wasn't allowed to ride his motorbike. They actually physically took the wheels away and hid the wheels from his motorbike so he wouldn't sneak off in the middle of the night on it. Um, so I jokingly asked Jose yesterday before the confirmation that Jose is assistant. His assistant, of course, an ex uh, moto uh, motorbike racer himself, yeah. motocross, and he's the guy who's actually pushing the brothers on the tracks. Yeah. Um, so I asked him, "Are you going to take the wheels again?" And he laughed and he said, "Yes." And that's what they're going to do. And I assume that they will be pushing. As much as they did last season, because um, we saw that he it took him a few t- months to come back to full fitness, yeah. and we saw him didn't stop him winning though. I mean, you know, he was he didn't win in Qatar. No, but he hasn't won in Qatar. Uh, he hasn't won in Qatar for a long time. I would have to look but it he up. Wants to. He wants to win at every single racetrack he turns up at. But he won in Argentina and he could have won in Austin if he hadn't fallen off, which I think was probably Honda's uh, fault. So, yeah, I mean, it didn't really it didn't really slow him, it slow him down this year. Yeah, but we heard that Karasan also say that he came to the first test 50%. Yeah. He doesn't want to come 50%. He wants to come fully fit. Yeah. And as you wrote, that's probably the reason Honda actually pushed and gave him everything they could have given him to try during this test because in Sepang he might not be able to push completely. Yeah, exactly. I haven't looked at the the runs that he did during the test on Monday, but I suspect they were a little bit shorter than normal because I, I, I remember looking at the test on um, uh, the, the, the test data for the Valencia test and Mark didn't do as many laps as I was expecting. Normally, he, he's an absolute monster. He's, he, he's amongst... The highest number of laps, certainly during the Bruno test and the Barcelona test and the Jerez test, he was, you know, right up there. He was doing uh, am- amongst the, the, you know, the, the biggest number of laps, um, highest number of laps. Yeah, he, he looked a little bit more pale than usual. Yeah, he's been looking very sort of thin and drawn anyway, because again, it's it's been a really, really long year. He usually is thinner after the farways. Yeah. Usually if you see him after, uh, in the Valencia round, you see he's very, very thin. Because, I mean, also that's also because it seems like the riders eat less. You asked Paul uh, Espargaro about that, um, uh, about eating, and he was he said he's very careful about the eating during the flyaways. Yeah, because we also saw that Danny Proposa couldn't ride because he ate something wrong. Yeah. And uh, they are very, very careful in what they eat. They don't eat raw salad. They don't eat raw food. They don't eat almost anything. It's yeah. like, uh, and we know that some of the teams, that's why some of them actually fly food with them to the farways, but it still has something and it still affects them and they still work out a lot and they lose a lot. Yeah. But he looked pale. He looked like even they closed the doors of the box, even when they weren't working on the bikes. Yeah. Just to give him a little bit of privacy, I felt. Um, and he seemed very quiet yesterday at the morning. It, 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 
he surely was a little bit concerned. He was smiling because he smiles and he does his thing and he knows how to do it because, again, he's a great actor. Yeah. But uh, And he was, as always, nice to the fans. But I assume we will see him again trying to um, come back to his full health as soon as possible and he's going to work really hard this winter again. You don't think it will affect him at the start of next year? It might, but I think it will be less yeah. than, than the year before because, again... I think they, they, we all, we all understood. It wasn't fully dislocated. The left shoulder was dislocated. He doesn't know how many times. This yeah. one, he. But you saw, you saw it, Mateggi, during the title celebration in 2018 that basically, you know, his, his left, his left arm basically fell out while, um, uh, when he was, you know, taking the room, congratulations. And that's definitely not happening right now. No, it's not. And they also said after the surgery last time that it was uh, far more complicated because yeah. he tired his muscles so much around the shoulder. Yeah. This time, it's not as tired as it used to be. They still held the bones together. It didn't come out. But they want to make sure that it won't. And this is the time to do it. Because if it keeps happening during the season, they won't be able to do that during the season. And we know that they need time. And yeah, well, they, it's just true for everyone. Because it's the same for, it's the same for Cal Crutchlow. He really needs a uh, an operation on his on his ankle. But if he does it then he just won't have time to be fit in time for Sepang. You know, it's a long season and there's not enough time for them to actually have surgery, recover properly and work on their fitness. So they turn up at like a, they turn up at Sepang if they do have surgery. They turn up at Sepang not having done enough strength training or fitness training to actually be in, in shape to do, uh, to do much. So it's, uh, it's needs about a week and a half extra yeah. time to recover and try to do something in Sepang. So he just decided exactly. and we saw to struggle Me through the pain. Yeah, we saw Oliveira and Nakagami also taking time off uh, early to have the surgery done so they can be fit for the, for the, start, of, uh, the, the start of next year. Yeah. Um, do you think, because, I mean, obviously we see Cal crash, uh, not Cal, sorry, we see Mark crash a lot. Is, is it inevitable he's going to end up being injured? Uh, well... He knows how to crash. He, he does, yeah. He really, he really does. knows how you to crash. You saw that in the crash in Sepang where he's going against all of his instincts to pull his arms in so he doesn't break his, so he doesn't break his wrist and lots of, other, lots of all these little things, ways of trying to prevent, stop himself from tumbling through the gravel because he doesn't tumble in the gravel very, uh, very often. He's such a... He's cat. so practiced at that. Yeah, but it's not just cat. You know, he's he it, practices at being a cat. Yeah, well, it feels to me like it's a little bit like um, parachute. Uh, yeah. Parachuters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it feels to me like that that he practices how to crash. We know that they do that. Yeah. But he's also a little bit, well, lucky in the way that he's built, in yeah. his flexibility, in his that he's smaller. I assume his brother has more troubles with that yeah we know that valentino has troubles with that i spoke to wilco he told me that he's worried that quattro if quattro crashes that he have he will have more troubles in case he crashes because he will be injured more yeah often but um we also know that for example petrucci suffers now from his shoulder and yes. it wasn't from being hit it was from stretching his arms during crash mm. so that's also something that they need to take care of and that's why we see him also clinch his hands together, his uh, uh, elbows together to try not to pull, to do the full laundry uh, machine yeah, kind exactly. of crash. Yeah, the, yes, the full, to, to do the full tumble dryer. Um, yeah, that's the proper way to do it. Yeah. Sorry, 
translate in Hebrew, translate back. It's sometimes a Google Translate thing. Actually, well, we're just amazed that you can at least speak English to us that, um, better than most people can speak English, so that's fine. Um, moving on, the next story that you uh, managed, because you got because you were here early, you saw Carol Abraham and gave a fantastic interview to you explaining the situation with uh, what was going on with, with Avintia and Zarko and all the rest of it. Talk us through that. Yeah, we, we all know Carl Abraham was writing for Avintia and we know the background. Well, it's not perfect background because we know he had to bring his own thing into the team. Yeah. And we know how this team works a little bit with Tito and Carl. And um, whoever doesn't know, Carl was dismissed from his team. And he actually shared that with his fan club on Saturday. But he came to the track on Sunday mm. to pick up his stuff. Because his stuff was still all in the uh, uh, in the truck. Because yeah. uh, when the truck left Valencia, as far as he knew, he still had a contract. As far as everybody knew. Yeah. As far as his team knew. About, as far as really the, everybody involved knew. So he had to... Uh, he just got an email on Friday evening in Spanish stating that his contract is uh, null and void, terminated, yeah, ended. terminated yeah. completely. But and, and it's in Spanish, and that's part of the thing that got him really, uh, and because he didn't even get a phone call, yeah, and that's what he was concerned about because he also knows that he under well not underperformed but performed not as good as he should have. Yet he also mentioned about the things he didn't get from the team. So there's there's really two sides for the story. And when listening to the story, you have to a little bit be concerned because if you bring the money into the team, you expect something from the team and you expect there to be a mechanic waiting for you. You expect there to be everything that you agreed on waiting for you because you paid for it like anything else. It's It's more than just being hired by somebody. Yeah. And if he comes to Malaysia and there's no Orleans uh, mechanic in his garage and the Orleans mechanic is actually in Sepang. Because the, the, Orleans, the Orleans technicians have a, a lot of responsibility. They um, uh, coordinate with crew chiefs um, and together come up with a plan for suspension. They, we, the crew chiefs will turn to them for advice about uh, uh, about how to change the bike. You know, the bike is doing this and the Orleans technician will give advice. Okay, we can use this, bring this damping try this um they, they they have an awful lot of uh, speaking to ex-crew chief or well speaking to crew chiefs who used to be suspension technicians for olins or uh, or Weber. they are really a part of the team so 100%. not being there is really having one less mechanic so and knowing that he's in sapang and not allowed to work with them yeah is is just it it it, it cannot make a rider feel okay so according to abraham he had requested two meetings. He had a one meeting in Sepang and they agreed that they need to work on it. And then they had a second meeting in Valencia and they told, according to Abraham, he, he and his team told the team of India that they need to work out some stuff. And nothing was worked out, but he did get the green light that they will continue, but he didn't pay for 2020. Yeah. They, he said they delayed the payment until they come to an agreement that everything they are promised will actually be. Because also, Avintia have had a new contract with, with Ducati. I mean, we'll talk about that, that a little bit later, but they already have a contract with Ducati uh, for more support for next year anyway. 
Yeah, and they did get that, and they will get that. And actually, talking to Gigi, they will get the help they get, but nothing changes. At the same time, we kept hearing about Zarko and yeah. about the rumors, and Abraham did confront the people in the team. Is that happening? Are you talking to Zarko? He also actually said he spoke to people in uh, Ducati, and they promised him Zarko is not getting more than you did. And what Ducati did tell me is that he will get more... Uh, only according to his success. So if he goes faster, he gets more help. If he doesn't get faster, which is, uh, again, a, a policy which UK have had before. This was, I remember when Cal Crutchlow was in the factory team with, uh, with uh, Andrea Dovizioso. Uh, uh, basically, the person who went faster got the new bits first uh, and got more support. So it's a, it, it's a policy... It's, let's it's let's put it this way. If Tito and Carl would have done better this season, they would have got more support. Yeah. And it's not it, for Ducati. It's not only about the money; it's a lot more than that. It's about bringing the success, bringing the wins, bringing the points. Because it looks bad if they have, you know, if if the people at the back of the uh, at the back of the uh, if Avincia is running around at the back of each race, you know, barely getting in the points and, and not scoring, it yeah. makes it makes Ducati look bad as well. And they don't want that. They have six uh, bikes on the grid, and they want them to be successful. They rather have other bikes in the last. They want them all in the points. And, um, well, frankly, they, somebody from Ducati also told me that they have now to work also about the image that this whole situation created, which is really not good. Yeah. At the same time, they all confirmed that we will see, uh, news coming out, official news coming out that Zarko is going to be in Ovintia next season, yeah. riding for them one season, probably one season agreement with the French rider. And I assume he will be pushing from the start. It will be interesting to see how much support he does get. Yeah, I mean, I, speaking to people about Zarco, um, what I understand is that Zarco uh, is going to take the opportunity. I mean, he still hasn't made up his mind, still hasn't signed. Um, we're expecting to see a contract probably either this week or next week. Uh, but the uh, Zarco's objective is simply go into Avintia with good support from Ducati because that was the most that was like for him the the, the sticking point um, he was very uncomplimentary about Avintia at uh, uh, at Valencia um, but the objective is do really really well and try and get into the factory team for 20 uh, for, for 2021 um, I'm not sure because I also heard that um, uh, was I think Gigi someone told me that um, I think Gigi Delinia spoke to um, uh, uh, Pit Byra from KTM and Pit Byra was not very complimentary about his work ethic and that was uh, really a lot of people are not complimentary yeah. about that uh, a lot of people are angry I actually spoke to Harvey and he's not he said that if he was in his team doing that he would have been really really upset we also know that he, it had its influence on Harvey Pouchard. It had influence on so many people in the paddock, what Zarko decided to do. On one side, we can say it's brave what he did before, the, the fact that he left, the way he explained it. But on the other side, so many writers are saying he should have kept in it, work harder, find a solution. 
I, I, we know that, for example, the Spagaro boys, we know that one of the, the, there are two very polite young men. One of them is more outspoken. Yeah. One of them is less. And I assume the older brother was speaking on behalf of his younger brother because the younger brother was left alone there yeah. to try to figure out things and kept working really hard at KTM. Yeah. I so mean, basically he was, he was completely on his own. I mean, you know, Mickey Callier is a, uh, Mickey Callier's test duties now are much more about, sort of durability and the basic uh, stuff. The stuff which comes from Mika goes on to Denny Pedroso, really sorts out what's really good and, and, and you know what's not worth pursuing. And then that goes on to Paul. But it, Paul has basically been developing that bike completely on his own for probably for the whole of this, for, for, for the whole of this year. Yeah, he has. And he's been working really, really hard. And we also saw that it, it's, was really beautiful to see how he welcomes the younger riders yeah. into the team. Yeah. Really open doors, really uh, explaining everything, cheering them on, supporting them. The way he was speaking to Brad Binder after he crashed during the test in yeah. Valencia, um, the lines, uh, the team KTM are so happy with him and how he behaves and how he takes everything uh, with a, a strive, with optimism, with a really hard dedication. And uh, I was happy to talk to Mike Leitner and ask him about the future because we also already talking about 2021. Yeah. And he actually confirmed that he they want to keep him, which for me was, I was really happy to hear that because it's nice to see, especially after you hear the Carl Abraham stories, it's nice to see the dedication coming both ways. Yeah, the, yes. But, but people actually being sort of, you know, loyal to it, to, uh, to, to riders instead of, um, and riders being loyal to the factories instead of, you know, wanting to leave. Um, well, that's, that's for the Avintia situation. When we, we'll take a quick break and when we come back, we shall talk about what happened in the test. This episode of the Paddock Pass podcast is brought to you by AGV Helmets and the new AGV K6. The best helmet for any use made from technologies developed in MotoGP. Finally, a comfortable, versatile, and safe road helmet for any motorbike and any rider thanks to the same advanced materials and innovative technology used to help world champions achieve the maximum in the most extreme conditions. Everything you need is now combined with everything you've ever wanted. The new AGV K6 Helmet. Um, right, welcome back. Um, we let's take a look at what happened during the test. Who was fastest? Who was testing stuff? Um, I shall be talking about the technical stuff because that's my thing. Um, but uh, Tammy, you know lots about the teams because you go and talk to all of these people. Um, and I like to watch. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, looking at the results overall, it was a you know a decent mix. The um, Five factories in the top six. Maverick Vinales fastest by a long way and consistently fast uh, as well. Had a lot of uh, on the first day a lot of uh, laps, basically faster than uh, than everyone else in the in, in the low thirty sevens. Uh, Mark Marquez put in a quick lap on the second day um, to finish second um, ahead of uh, Alex Rins, Fabio Quartararo, Juan Mir, and Andre Dovizioso. A lot of Yamahas in the top uh, uh, um, up the top there. Um, Andre Dovizioso 
the the so the Ducati's competitive. Jack Miller wasn't that far off. The fact that Polo Spargo is very close on the uh, on the KTM is important. KTM a lot had a lot of uh, uh, updates. Um, a, a good mix. Suzuki's looking strong as well. Uh, what we'll do is go through this factory by factory. Uh, starting off, I think with. Ducati, as we've talked about uh, um, the situation with Avincia just a moment ago. Um, what Ducati had was a new chassis and, uh, it, well, basically they were saying a, a new engine parts, which basically means uh, updated version of the uh, uh, of the 2019 engine, which will form the basis for the 2020 engine. Uh, the focus seemed to be about making the bike smoother, making the engine smoother rather than actually uh, a lot more uh, top, top end power because that... The smoothness of the engine means they can get out of the corner better and get get more drive onto the uh, uh, onto the front straight. Uh, the new chassis seems to help with the turning. Um, uh, Jack Miller tried it, I think, at Valencia. Um, uh, Petru- Daniel Petrucci Andrea Dovizioso tried it at um, Jerez uh, and at Valencia, and they said, you know, it's a it's a step, but it's not a huge step um they need more it'll be a prototype the real the real stuff comes at sepang um but it seems to be going in the right direction i mean what was your what what sense did you get from talking to the riders and talking to people well, in came? first of all let's mention that petrucci didn't take part in the valencia test at all because yeah. he took partly for the first day second day he was he didn't ride at all the first day he rode only i think 10 laps yeah. and then his bike was given to Miller so they have a little bit more understanding because they have two different riders yeah. trying that bike because he got it back yeah. on, in Jerez um, it seems like all the riders not only Ducati are trying really really hard not to look content with anything even though everyone was saying yeah it's because everyone seemed to be quite positive it felt like it was a really everyone was really optimistic right yeah no we're making real progress but the, at the same time they were saying yeah, we're making real progress, but it's not enough. I want to go faster. Yeah, and it's like they're playing now this game because they're all trying to push the factories more and more. And yeah. they're all so how many steps every factory took in the last few years yeah. and everybody going forward so quickly. So it seems like they're all trying not to be happy, but only when you push them. They're saying, yeah, we, we are improving <laughs> all the time. Oh, and yeah, it looks no, better. No, it's really good. It's just that I want to go faster. Yeah, and um, well, they all had issues during the test because the weather wasn't allowing it. It was too cold everywhere. It's and very especially late. on on the Monday, we saw a lot of red flags um, yeah. um, because obviously uh, at Valencia they still have everything in place. All the marshals are there, so they keep every they keep. But everything also there, on. you have less marshals yeah. during tests. You have less marshals. You have le- less less equipment, so it takes more time to evacuate everybody. Yeah, exactly. So when someone crashes, they tend uh, if they crash and they can't get them out immediately yeah. they throw a red flag stop the so session so a red and flag you have... is not as scary no, in no, no, the no, test no. as it usually is during a weekend yeah exactly usually uh, d- during a race weekend a race flag a red flag means real trouble but uh, during a test also because they've got eight hours you know the track is open for eight hours that's a lot of time uh, if you lose to lose five or ten minutes or whatever is an inconvenience rather than uh, a, a massive problem and you don't have TV broadcast schedules. Yet they all said, oh, the red flag, they destroyed my rhythm, they <laughs> destroyed this, I wanted to push at the time of the red flag. So they all find excuses why something happened. But uh, Gigi, I spoke to Gigi and he, because mainly during tests you can speak to 
the managers and less to the writers. Yeah, well, I can't speak to Gigi. Most journalists can't speak to Gigi, but you're lucky in that you, you know you just grab him and he um, takes you off into his office and tells you whatever you want, whatever you ask him. Yeah, I, I I'm like the bartender. They just <laughs> they just talk to me. Um, yeah, he he told me that they feel like they can do something better, but they all said they couldn't do everything they wanted. They couldn't test everything they wanted. Let's just also remember that in uh, Valencia, Piro was sick. Yeah, and he couldn't race the whole race, and he wasn't really didn't seem all good in the first test in Valencia. He was better here. He had uh, some technical issue with oil during the first day. Luckily, he was good enough to clear away and he didn't spoil oil on yeah. the track. Um, but we, again, we saw that they're thinking they're not, they didn't take a big enough step, but they're working on it. They think they will have more developments to support the Yeah. Uh, they will carry on with uh, the shakedown that we will see in the beginning of February with Piro with something a little bit better. It will be interesting to see if they can actually do that. It does feel that it, it looks better. Yeah, yeah, and the, the the bike is turning better. All of them said, you know, we've got more corner speed, which is in the middle of the corner, which is has historically been the weakness of the um, uh, of the bike. They took the biggest step forward uh, in 2015, which was Gigi Delinia's first bike. This feels like the next big step. Since then, it's only been small evolutions. Um, it feels this- like a huge step because also, if you we you know you do a little bit of spying, we saw that they had a meeting on Sunday. I think they were Gigi was in a meeting for about five hours in the truck. Yeah, and there was a lot of Ducati Ducati engineers from the factory, right? You. You saw six a lot of new seven. faces, yeah. He confirmed that they had six or seven technicians from the factory coming extra yeah. to work. So we had three full teams of Ducati uh, mechanics and engineers plus the team from the factory. It's it's a lot. Yeah, It's really pushing. Um, Yamaha. Um, Yamaha had a new engine. Uh, in fact, they seem to have had two versions of the engine. The factory, uh, the factory team had the latest, uh, the latest version. The Petronas team got a sort of a, a semi-revised version. The latest version also seems to have a revised intake, uh, the, 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 the air intake, which has looked exactly the same. You know, the, the, the smile on the bike has looked the same for, God, maybe ten years, something like that. But this is very, very different. It looks, uh, it, it looks more like um, almost like a BMW S thousand or something. It looks, it looks, it's, it, it looks very different to, to to things or a Kawasaki. No, actually, no. It looks more like a Kawasaki ZX ten now. I think about it, but it's, it, it looks very different. That is a key part of this. There, um, the same that Honda did. Uh, they've opened up the, uh, the they're trying to get more pressure in the airbox which means more air in the airbox burns more fuel more power um they also had a new uh, shiny chassis normally uh, yamaha anodize uh, anodize their uh, their frames to make them black which looks very nice uh, these this is really obvious this is nice shiny and um uh, and nice and shiny and silver you could see the there was a stamp on the frame as well saying uh, YZR M1 uh, 2019 T2 and, uh, um, so it's obviously a test frame um, it's not the final uh, the final frame but it's, that again seems to be the right direction the riders were quite happy about the I mean they all said there's more power it's a little bit more aggressive more top end um, but uh, it's not enough everyone else made a step forward and this is Yamaha's problem 
every time they make a step forward with the speed, so does everyone else. Yeah, and they need to make now four steps forward, or like Valentino told us when we asked him about the evolution of the engine on in Valencia, because we knew that they had three evolutions already to the 2020 engine. He said, well, how many do you need more? He said seven. <laughs> um, so, but from what I understand, it wasn't the third evolution of the engine that we saw for the Yamaha boys in uh, Jerez. It might have been already the fourth or the fifth. Yeah. And uh, there has been a lot of evolution. Also, we can see already the result of the uh, Sito-san. We can see the, the new team members of, from the factory. We see yep. the changes. They are going forward. And uh, Marigali, Myers kept saying that we keep taking the steps forward. And they are forward. Yeah. Because everybody, I think, is now cannot stop thinking about Suzuki a few years ago, how yep. they took the, the steps backward. So it, it feels like it's in everybody's head. The steps must be forward. We cannot allow ourselves to try, fail, and fix again like they used to do yeah, very easily in yeah, the past. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what was uh, Maverick Vinales put it quite well, saying basically uh, the bike right now is really, really good, uh, except it lacks top speed. That means the only way you can win on the MR is to start from pole. Start from pole, get a good start, and then try and lead. Um, so this is this seems to be the risk. This is they need something which will allow them to actually attack and pass people, not pass them on the straights, but at least stay stay with the faster bikes down the uh, down the straight, so they can put themselves in a position where they can actually attack uh, attack on the brakes. We or something have to like that. remember it's also a little bit well humiliating is a far too strong of a word, but Takeo-san actually used that word when he described when Honda used to use the top speed to Ducati. So I assume Yamaha feels exactly the same now. Yeah. When they see how they lose the races, this is not something they want to see. Yeah, I mean, Yamaha have never been known for top speed. It's always been like the handling. That was something that, Ma that Ma uh, Mayo Maragalli was saying to us. You know, we cannot afford to risk losing the strong strong point of the bike the the rideability the uh, uh the, the handling their focus was also on, on keeping that power delivery making it easy to use because if if you've got the, the basically the more manageable the engine the sooner you can get on the gas and the faster you can get out of corners but then maybe you lose once you hit fifth and sixth gear, and it's really difficult to tell at Hadeth yeah, as well because it's not, uh, you know, it's not really a, a top speed track. They're doing two ninety. But instead you don't of want to be minus uh, thirteen like it was during the season, yeah. or even more. You want to be minus five, and that's fine. It, yeah. You don't want the humiliating part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want it to be a bit better, and like uh, Franco Morbidelli told us really nicely because he put it really nice. Uh, we wanted to keep the soul of the bike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. And that's actually something, the same thing we hear also from Suzuki. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Valentino Rossi obviously had a new crew chief, yeah. David Munoz. Yeah, um, you're saying the name. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was his response to, to that? What was How was he with the, with the new crew chief? Because it seems, it seems like he spent a lot of time actually sort of working with Munoz, trying to sort of bring him into the group and, and, and figuring out. Because I don't think Munoz doesn't have any MotoGP experience, so there's a lot for him to learn as well. But what was, what was you know, how, how you went down and saw, what did it look like? What did the group look like? The group looked like they were working really, really hard. He was there early. We are not used to seeing Valentino so early in the box. Yeah. And working the whole day through, 
longer days than we used to see him doing. And it looked actually really nice. It looked good. There were, there were a lot of Japanese, of course, working with them all. Um, and it looked like the whole team was a little bit, uh, giving everything they could to, bring him in to make him a part of the team because they don't have too much time. I assume he will be learning a lot during the winter. We know that usually the team from Yamaha do fly to Japan yep. for some instructions, for some working together. Maya Marigali is happy. He says that he brought in the new spirit in that they needed in the team, that uh, he actually admitted that uh, he felt like the team was crumbling a little bit in the last few years. So he's happy to see new energy coming in. Valentino also said that he, it feels good because he actually he chose him because of his calmness, yeah. because of way of still behaving and treating a situation in a calm way, even when things fall apart. And I did have something close, somebody close to Valentino admit to me that there were mistakes done because of mor low morale, because of the pressure, and they need somebody to keep it up. We need to remember Valentino is the oldest guy yeah. in the paddock. It's not easy to bring something in. We need the young riders. If we look at Quattro, there's laughing all the time. It doesn't matter what's going on in the room in the box. Um, and Valentino needs to bring it another way. So you need the younger energy. You need somebody else to change the energy because if you cannot change it yourself, you yeah. need external uh, help. But also, Marigali told me there's something magical with Valentino that he manages to keep his team with Haim This time, it needed something bigger, and I think he brought it in. It will be interesting to see. We need time. He needs time. Because we this is this is the last roll of the dice, as we say. This is it's make or break. He either yeah. th this is going to be a crucial year for him if he's competitive, and he continues. If he's not competitive, then it's game over. Yeah, it's money time. But as he said also, after Jorge announced his retirement, everybody makes their own time, own decision on how they yeah. decide what to do and if to put an end to it. We know how Igor is to race. We know how he needs to win. We know his plan for the winter, which is almost as busy as his season. Yeah. With everything, Abu Dhabi and uh, Hamilton and... Uh, uh, he's going to race cars, GT, Ferrari, yeah. in Abu Dhabi, 12 hours. He has it's Hamilton, Ferrari, uh, Formula One, Valencia. He has the 100K this weekend. Yeah, the flat track race at the uh, the ranch in Tabulia. So he's got a lot of uh, he's got a lot of stuff going on. Monza Rally, presumably that will be no, also. No, this one is cancelled. Abu Dhabi is ah, instead. Ah, okay. So he's doing something else instead. Yeah. Right. Moving on. Um, uh, Honda. Uh, obviously, Honda is a Honda. Well, we talked about this a little bit. Obviously. Um, Mark Marquez did all of the work. Alex Marquez next to him is a rookie. He's you know still learning to work to ride a MotoGP bike. That was the same in the same in KTM. Um, Takanakagami is uh, recovering from surgery. Um, Cal Crutchlow had the 2019 bikes in um, uh, in Jerez. He was basically Cal was mostly working just on with the scooter brake, trying to get used to the the, the basically the, the finger brake breaking with his with his uh, left hand instead of his uh, instead of his right foot in some corners. Um, but it, 
everything has to be as natural as possible. So it's really, really difficult to actually unlearn all of these habits. Uh, he's having to think about things, and that makes you go slower. But he's going to—he said he's going to stick with it for the uh, for the rest of the uh, rest of testing and race with it from next year because in the end it will it will pay off. But it's just that it means it's going to be difficult in the first uh, in the first few years. Um, so all years. Of the, let's see. Well, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, yes, yeah, exactly. He's in the, in the first few races, it's going to be it's going to be really difficult. Um, so that meant that Mar- Marquez, uh, particularly at Jerez, was doing all of the work. Again, as we said, because we knew he was going to have this, or we didn't, they did, because they knew that Mark was going to do all this, um, uh, or was gonna, going to have shoulder surgery. Um, they have, a again, a new engine, a revised version of the engine. They were having a lot of problems with the, uh, setting the electronics up for it. Um, may that may be the cause of uh, some of the crashes which they had, um, which because Bridal crashed the bike, Crutchlow crashed the bike, uh, Mark crashed the bike uh, uh, twice, once in Valencia, once in Jerez. Um, so it's you know there's still a lot of work, uh, a lot of work to go there. And they must have lost a few things that they were trying to test. Oh, they definitely did because they had three 2020 prototypes and they turned up in Jerez with only one, with only two 2020 prototypes. So one of them is um, uh, obviously in bits was you know they lost too much of it to actually try and. Um, yeah, luckily they could save uh, the one that uh, Marcus crashed on the first yep. day in uh, turn 13 and yep. they managed to bring it back and uh, put it together. But they did lose quite a lot of things and they lost a lot of time, especially in Valencia. Yeah. And the fact that Carl wasn't able to test anything. And again, they will rely on uh, comments from Mark mainly. Yeah. Mind you, I mean, the thing is, because they had basically they had a new engine in the 2020 prototypes plus which was the same engine in both uh, bikes, as I understand it, and two slightly different chassis, basically two sort of development directions. They look very similar. What was I found, the details I found interesting were, first of all, uh, that uh, they don't have the rear engine mount, um, so the rear cylinder head isn't bolted to the middle of the frame, if you like. Uh, That would suggest that they've got a little bit more flexibility at that point, which would give you a little bit more feel um, when the bike is on its edge going into the corner. Um, also, they are still playing around with the, um, uh, with the, with the intake, with the airbox. Uh, that's going straight through the through the steering head now. They've moved some of the components which they had. There were two little uh, uh, carbon covers uh, on the front of the, uh, the the frame on the 2019 bike, those have gone. Um, there's just a, now a tiny little duct with some uh, with some cabling. That means that they've moved some components about. And I was just like comparing where you can see into the uh, into the sh- into the fairing while the bike is being warmed up. You could see that there were various electronic components which were a little bit different all moved around a little bit so that when when you're having to move around those sort of peripheral components it means that you've lost space somewhere else and usually that means under the uh, under, under the under the fuel tank because the tank isn't really the tank the tank is the tank is basically just the airbox so there there's some definitely something big going on with the engine there's something go big going on with the with the frame mark has said it it helped. There was more front end feel, which is what they were missing and what was causing them or causing them some of the problems in, um, uh, in 2019. So we shall, uh, we shall see. I mean, 
But again, they weren't too enthusiastic about the engine. They still said that it's a little bit too much of too much. Yeah. Uh, so it will be interesting if they will be able to solve more of the issues. Because the, also we know some of the things are we're not going to see. The aerodynamics, we know how much impact it has. Yeah. And we're because not they tested aerodynamics at Valencia. Um, uh, we didn't see that at all at Jerez. Uh, they, it seemed to have too many downsides at Valencia, so I don't think we'll see that. Ducati have already said, we're not testing our, um, uh, our aerodynamics until the Qatar test. We uh, didn't see anything from Yamaha. No. We saw a little bit from Suzuki. We will see more in Sepang. They told me in Sepang they will bring it because they don't really care about the other copying people copying part. them. Yeah. Yeah. They said that's fine. Uh, so it, it will be interesting to see the complete package. But again, the rider who tested all the bikes. He knew his shoulder is injured. We don't know how much it had an effect on how he rode it. Well, if you look at his lap times, it wasn't really making all that much difference. He was still fast, so yeah. which is this is this is the thing. And also, if you look at Valencia, you know he won the he won the race in Valencia despite having uh, problems with his uh, with, uh, problems with his shoulder. Not he won the race in Australia, also probably yeah. already having that issues from probably we assume already having something at least that's right and if you look at he finished second in sepang after genuinely giving giving his shoulder a massive knock uh in that silly eyesight yes but but we also know that they treat the test with all importance they really really find the test important but at the same time they don't push yeah as much as they do so we we need to see what effect it it had Last year, we know it had an effect on the beginning of the year. Yeah. We know it had an issue. They had a lot of issues because of all the injuries last year. Yeah, but also, I mean, one of the biggest problems they had last year was because of the new engine was engine brake. Engine, the, the, the engine brake wasn't working correctly, and so it was pushing the front of the bike, and that was what was causing a lot of the front end crashes. So it would be interesting to see if they've got that At fixed the same down. time, we know already that they were testing stuff from... The last four races. Exactly. That's the advantage of typing. It's the advantage of tying the championship up early. But also, maybe if Mark knows, all right, no, my shoulder's not 100%, um, let's get a head start on testing things because I don't, it doesn't matter. I've got the, uh, I've won the championship. Yeah. We also know that he knows his body the best uh, from anybody else. And he already recognized when, when the problems are coming. So he knows what to do. Yeah. Uh, Suzuki. Um, Suzuki had a new engine. Mostly, uh, they had a new iteration of the uh, of the frame. The frame they were trying to stiffen the frame a little bit to get a little bit more braking stability. Um, the engine again aiming at smoothness, uh, where and a little bit more top power. But you know, smoothness of power delivery was the most important thing for them. Suzuki's real weakness is qualifying. But we've no idea how. I mean, you can't really simulate qualifying in um, uh, in testing. What we did see, I mean, the fact that both Joanne Mir and um, uh, Alex Rins were, were well uh, overall over two days, they were third and f- uh, third and fifth. So that means that you know the thing is capable of a uh, is capable of uh, a fast lap. Um, but Suzuki, I mean, they ended 2019 in good shape and they're starting off in good shape. It seems to me. Yeah, and, and actually, I have to wonder how much the qualifying has to do with the rider or the, with the bike. You know, it, it, there's something in there because you don't know. I'm not sure that Rince is actually, he's a, he's a great rider and he's a great racer. But I, I have a feeling that maybe sometimes 
He doesn't have the focus during qualifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he can he can turn it up a notch. He can improve himself, also work on himself as well. For Which the is true because qualifying. when we when we speak to him at races um, after a poor qualifying, he says, "Well, it's all right. You know, I can pass people." Which is for a start an amazing period piece of confidence, uh, but also uh, a sign that. Um, it leads him to be a little, I mean, not lazy, lazy is the wrong word, but complacent. He thinks, oh, it's all right, it, it doesn't matter. Okay, I'm ninth, but that's all right, I'll catch up, I'll be... Uh, well, uh, we know it's it's any class now, riders, uh, maybe except a little bit on Moto3 now, but uh, riders cannot afford themselves to be only Sunday right, no, racers. No. Uh, it, it, it cannot happen anymore. Yeah. And Rins needs to improve on that. We know, we saw, for example, Vinales improve on that a lot, and that's why he yeah. managed to do much more this season than he did last season. But going back to Suzuki, I know that they will have another upgrade to the engine for Sepang. They're not going to do anything until Sepang. Yeah. And they're still working on the speed and power of that engine. Uh, but again, keeping the characters, characteristics. Characteristics of the engine. Thank yeah, you. keeping the character of the engine. Yeah, exactly. These long words in English. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they will have to, they are, they are trying to do that. They are super happy with what Guintoli did. And they all seem to be in line, Guintoli, Mir, and Rins. With the direction they're taking, we have to remember that also Guintoli really tried that engine during a weekend in Wotegi. Yeah, before he found out that he was actually breaking the rules. And then, before he found out he was breaking the rules, he did say, this is the fastest time I ever managed to do Mutegi and the f- most comfortable I ever felt in Mutegi. Yeah, there was a tweet also by Sylvain on the uh, um, on Tuesday, I think, saying, you know, personal best around Jerez. Uh, one thirty-eight, which is uh, not uh, not bad at all. So yeah, this bike seems like a proper improvement. It looks like, and Suzuki were really close this year. So um, it's you know it really looks like they've made a step forward and, and, and there will be a much closer competition inside that box that might push them forward 100% because Juan Mir has been really impressive the second half of this season um, still had like as a pang he still had breathing problems the, the crash at Bruneau was enormous absolutely enormous uh, but in Valencia he said he's already feeling well also these two tracks because also of the weather yeah. he felt a lot better because he said that he's feeling his uh, lungs more when it's hot yeah. So yeah. luckily for him, the weather, in that sense, allowed him to do his work better. Yeah. Uh, KTM. Um, uh, I there was a lot going on in KTM. Uh, Danny Pedrosa missed the first day with gastroenteritis, as we talked about. He uh, ate something wrong, and um, uh, I happened to overhear a conversation uh, he was having with his mechanics, and it was very graphic and really not he worth. He was. He looked like a ghost. He really looked like a ghost. But I have to say, it must be so. I, I don't know if somebody would have talked about my valve work. Yeah. Like that, I would be so embarrassed. But he was fine with it. He even tweeted about it. Yeah. He even added an emoji of throwing up, but he really couldn't be on the track on the first day. Second day, he for sure was a little bit still weak. The main problem, they had a lot, but they didn't have people to try it. Yeah, exactly. Really, it, it was all on, uh, uh, it was about 90% on Paul Espargaro. Uh, they had, they continued with um, uh, the testing which they were using at, with the test they, they did at Valencia. They had two new chassis. 
with instead of a a, a round steel tube, they, it was more of an oval steel tube. It looks a little bit more like a like a beam frame. Um, on my Instagram at Moto Matters, there's some pictures uh, worth taking a look at. Um, that seems to be a big step. The first change was a, was a step and the second the second version of it they had a if you like an orange bike and a black bike and the orange bike was the first iteration the black bike was the second iteration and the black one seems to be a really really big step um uh, the bike turns much better um that was always a lot of their problems they haven't really been doing very much on the engine it looks like um it looks like it was positive but again it will be good once they get to Sepang uh, to have Pedrosa fit, to have Paulo Spargaro fit, to have um, Miguel Oliveira back. I, I suspect that he will be given more test uh, test work as well because he's the only one of the uh, uh, only he and Paulo Spargaro have a, a a full years or have you know experience. They've got two rookies with Brad Binder and Ikaliku Lekawana. Fortunately, they're both fast rookies, but uh, they're still not in any, uh, still not ready to start sort of assessing properly the uh, the feeling. Uh, Brad Binder, I think, said that he would be, try, uh, you know, that would be Sepang would be the first time they would actually get to try the 2020 bike, uh, so he would be able to maybe tell the difference. But he, you know, he said, you know, I'm. Just, Still too far off to be able to. I'm nowhere near near enough the limit to be able to. He might be able to feel the difference, but he's nowhere near enough the limit to tell what the the real advantages and disadvantages. He just needs more time on the bike to get used to it so before he can say. Uh, they need to learn. Yeah. It, it takes time to learn, and it takes time to adapt. And they're all both are just getting used to the big bikes, the the tires, the brakes, the, the it's with, he listening to Ikela Kuona compare how to treat rain and dry tracks is just uh, amazing to hear him uh, just understanding that he can break in the same point that he can take uh, not as drastic changes in the lines that he has to pick it's a lot a lot to understand and they are really not in a position to help no. or to influence the development they will, they will have five days during the shakedown yeah all riders can take part and they will do all five riders Five five days or four days? Uh, I think five days. It depends. Some will do four, some will do five. Um, uh, but all five riders can take part, and all be, five riders will in turn. Because KTM have concessions, and so that allows them to do uh, uh, to do extra testing. Yeah, so they have it in that sense. They have it a little bit easier, but still, they have a lot of work to do. They are not having any more tests until uh, Sepang. Yeah. So not even private tests that we are not able to see or anything else. Maybe the riders will go to the factory to look at stuff. The, some of the riders said that they, they are going, and but they still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, yeah, but it feels like this this evolution of this chassis from talking to um, people in KTM, from talking to Paul, uh, they were very positive about it. It seems to be like a really uh, like like a significant step. And just looking at the time, you know, um, uh, overall, Paul Espargaro finished a ninth. Uh, well, I mean, he finished ninth overall, a second off of Maverick Vinales, but se- uh, Maverick Vinales was seven tenths faster than Mark Marquez. So that's, you know, he's basically three tenths behind Mark Marquez. Yeah, Vinales was is- also the only rider who was actually faster the last season. Yeah, exactly. And what Paul said was interesting is that he expects that next season he won't have to try too many chassis during the season, yeah. which means that he's quite happy. I think last year he tried something like 17 or something. Yeah, and this far year- too many. And exactly. he said that it confuses him. 
the main thing we know all the teams are trying to do now is find the base. Yeah, exactly. At the moment you have the base, you can work with it. This is what made Maverick Vinales so strong at the end of uh, at the end of last season because he could just focus on riding and not have to test all sorts of things. And so. that's why he said he refused to check and try things during the season exactly. because he doesn't think he needs to do that. Yeah. He uh, should do that, actually. Yes. He needs to do that, maybe, but he shouldn't. Um, uh, Aprilia, finally, um, they didn't have anything to test. Um, nothing. Nothing at all. I, I mean, they were basically working on electronic strategies. Uh, we're still waiting for the new bike, which should turn up at, uh, Twi- at um, Sepang 2020. It's a very different bike. It looks like the engine's got a different uh, cylinder angle. There's going to be so many. It's basically going to be a brand new bike, which is a risk because... Uh, you don't know what's going to, you know, there are still a lot of things that could go wrong. Um, but it, what was much more interesting was what uh, Aleish was talking about, the changes uh, in, in Aprilia. Massimo Rivola is coming from Aprilia, uh, from Formula One, sorry. Um, he's bringing a, a very different uh, experience, a different approach as well. They're working a lot on communication and just working together. Um what was Alay saying? I mean, what, what was your impression? Well, my impression is, is that finally we can see fruits. We, yeah. we knew there were some issues inside the team because you cannot be responsible for the technical side and for the human side of yeah. the coordinating inside. And then uh, Rivola came and he it started to show. And Alish is really, really happy. And we know Alish is critical and Alish says his stuff. We know that there are differences. We know, for example, the big changes in, in Ducati happened a few years ago when the communication improved. Exactly, because that was the first thing that, to me, the most amazing thing about uh, what Gigi Delinia has done at, uh, at Ducati was uh, he came in and he, 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 the first year he didn't really touch the bike. He touched the, the, the systems, the organization. Uh, he yeah. came in, he started rotating engineers between he the race team. A whole new computerized system. He brought in net net up, yeah, yeah, and it changes the whole thing how they keep the data because now people sitting in Bologna can read exactly what's going on at the circuit at that time. Yeah, at the moment the riders go inside the box, the data that they are they upload, Down, download. download, upload, whatever, um, they see already in Bologna. Yeah, so it everything goes really really quickly, and this is what it probably trying to do also in Aprilia. And what we heard is that they have also headset. Yeah. Which is like a Madonna thing. If uh... Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, the, it's interesting because obviously uh, ship-to-shore communication, when the riders are on the bike, they're on their own. Uh, there's no communication between them or the bike and, uh, and the pit wall. Um, but what was interesting is LH was saying, you know, we have headsets. And so uh, when he's in the box, he is talking to all of the engineers at the same time instead of them because you you see the, the, the sort of the classic picture of the rider comes in and he sits down on his chair and you see all of these mecha- sort of engineers crowd around them but there's bloody motorbikes going past the rear at, at 100 and however no, and there's many. a lot of there's a, work a, a to do huge, yeah there's a lot of work to do but there's a huge amount of noise and it gets really difficult to understand each other and so they've uh, now all of the engineers have headsets and when they can all hear what Aleish is saying Immediately. We also know that specifically in Aprilia, there are a lot of bosses also. Yeah. So that will prove that, that, that will make everybody feel a part of the team. And we know that this is, uh, uh, 
this is really important in MotoGP, the team, how they work, how they understand each other, how the information moves from one person to the other. And this is something that they took in. Other teams are not planning to do that. They feel that they don't need that kind of step. But it's interesting to see how his approach is coming. We know this is coming from Formula One. Yeah. We know he's bringing more things from Formula One. We know Alish is actually really happy about that. We know he saw the bike. He's really happy about that. We know both riders are planning to go to the factory to see the bike, to work there. They are not going to test it before, but they are going there. And it, it looks like something is happening. Yeah. And it's, let's hope it will carry on to the track. We saw improvement during the season. We saw Yanone shine one time in Phillip Island. We saw Alish quite a few times doing a lot more than we expected maybe yeah. to see from him. But I I hope that next season I won't be surprised. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, right, that's enough about the tests. We have to have our winners and losers. Uh, as you are a guest on the show, you get to choose your winner from the test. Ooh, that, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, that it feels tough. like they, you know everybody's a winner. That's how it feels to me. Well, I I will put actually Vinales, um, not only because of the results, but because of the way he looks. Because we know that he tries to look strong every once in a while to show, hey, I'm here, you know, like a cat pissing all around. Yeah. But he actually looked and felt like a new, improved person in in any kind of way, more assured. It it felt almost as if he was taking on the leadership role within Yamaha, like he was the lead rider for the first time, which has never happened to Valentino Rossi before. It never happened before, but I, I think he actually, I, I, to me, it felt that he didn't care about Valentino. He yeah. didn't mention him at any part of the conversation. Uh, only when we asked him a little bit about the Petronas riders, uh, only when we asked him a little bit about Valentino, but it wasn't part of his way of thinking. It was just him. He belongs there. He knows what he wants. He's good. He's fast. And he, it felt like his shoulders were wider. I, I, it he felt was standing like taller. He was standing taller and it felt like it wasn't an act because we know a lot of them act yeah. and a lot of them try to look stronger to show something. But this time it felt like, no, I'm here. I belong. I'm going to win. And we actually heard some of our fellow colleagues uh, say that he is going to be very, very strong next season. Yeah. And it seems like his head is in the right place. Yeah. And the energy inside the box with Garcia, it looks very calm. It looks very organized. It looks, he, he comes in, there's no, there's no friction. Yeah. There's no, nothing going on in the box that might show, okay, there's stress. No, it just works. Yeah, exactly. I uh, interviewed... Smooth Lynn- like the Yamaha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very well put. Uh, I interviewed Lynn Jarvis at, uh, at Valencia and he was saying like that was one of the big steps. The, the atmosphere inside that side of the box is really, really good. So that's certainly a very good choice. I think for me, it's got to be KTM. Um, I think um, they have been sort of butting up against uh, success for a while, but they seem to be sort of stuck with this... Uh, with a, you know a chassis that wouldn't turn, it was the one problem which wouldn't go away. They would work on lots of other problems, but the chassis wasn't turning properly. It feels like uh, this is going to be a huge step forward. I think we're going to also going to see a step forward with, forward with Ducati. 
and I think there's we're also going to see it's a pang a really big step forward with Aprilia but that's just speculation right here it looks like KTM have a solution which really works which is going to make um, Paul's life a, a lot easier if it makes Paul's life a lot easier it also make the rookies lives a lot a, a lot easier um, uh, Oliveira will come back and the bike will be easier to ride it'll be easier to ride for Ia Lekwana and for Binder um, so it feels like if this is a, a step forward for all of them their results are going to make you know, really dramatic improvements next year so I'm quite excited to see what they're going to do next year yeah, it will be very interesting to see KTM, to see, uh, I'm really looking forward to see what Binder will do. I'm really curious to see him. Yeah. When he's comfortable on that bike, it can be really, really beautiful. Yeah, I mean, what he, what he was doing on the Rota 2 bike was just just astonishing, just really, really And his really energy is, is special. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we've had the winners. How about the losers? This is the, this is the tough one, the one that you don't like. Well, my loser... Well, it's I, I'm not. Uh, it's actually not his fault. I feel like Cal Crutchlow is my loser because I I actually was hoping I won't see him testing at all in uh, Jerez. I was hoping he would be able to go and get his foot fixed. Get his foot fixed and get to start two twenty in a proper way. Twenty twenty. Yep. Two twenty. Twenty twenty. Yeah. Missing a number. Twenty twenty in a proper way. And I'm afraid that he had to postpone his surgery. He's probably going to have it after he retires yeah so um for me that was a pity because they crashed all the bikes in valencia they didn't have the all the bikes to test in jerez so he couldn't get his feedback properly given to hrc and for me that's a pity i was hoping we can see him healthy that's a really good choice that was that was going to be my choice as well so uh, it's an excellent choice i think uh i'd have to agree and say my loser would be the re- would be the rest of honda because because of mark's issue with his shoulder that leaves that's put all of the development work on him. Um, Honda have once again had to put all their eggs in one basket. Uh, they're gambling on Mark being able to win the championship again. I mean, it's a gamble which uh, has paid off six years out of seven, so it's a uh, it's a good bet. Um, but that means that Mark will determine the direction of uh, of development. It looks like they are developing the bike to be a little bit more user friendly. Um, but it, that means that Alex Marcus will be riding the same bike. They'll be riding the bike that his brother gets to choose for him, uh, and we'll just have to deal with anything that, that happens. Cal Crutchlow has had not as much input into uh, the development as he might have wanted to, and the, the strength of Cal is that he can give you a really good... Um, he He's a really... Um, he's a really good normal rider, ordinary rider. He's, you know, he's a human, right? He's a human on the Honda. So uh, he can, if you give him a bike which works, he can ride the hell out of it and win, um, uh, get on the podium, that sort of thing. He was saying, you know, the only person, the only rider, um, uh, he's the only other Honda rider who's put the bike on the podium for the past two years. Uh, neither Danny Pedrosa nor, um, uh, nor Jorge Lorenzo have. Um, Mark Marquez does can is capable of magic, you know, motorcycle magic. He can ride uh, as long as the bike is fast enough. He as long as he can s- 
stay with and overtake people on the straights. He'll do all the rest of that corner stuff, all the all the niggly stuff. It's not very uh, it's not very important. Um, I would also recommend uh, reading um, uh, Matt Oxley did an interview with uh, Takeo Yokoyama um, uh, a couple of days ago, and that's up on the mo- on the Motorsport Magazine website. Worth uh, worth reading where Takeo talks a little bit about that. But it does mean they've they've gambled. At- Gamble it all again on Mark, and if Mark, yeah, we uh, we have the stoners in the room again and yeah. again and again, and it's been going on for a few years. The thing is that they really need to do what Ducati managed to do and what Yamaha managed yeah. to do, and put more riders, uh, more often, yeah, on the podium and on the first rows and uh, first across the line, exactly. And uh, and and they have to change that because we we cannot ride the bikes like they can but we need to at least feel that we can yeah and at the moment you can feel that with the ami you can feel that you can imagine yourself yeah fans can imagine themselves riding the yamaha suzuki even ducati ktm but they cannot imagine themselves doing something with their honda and we we need to feel that yeah other than falling off and hurting themselves badly yeah, exactly. Okay, right. Well, that's it. Thank you very much indeed, Tammy. This has been Thank fantastic. You. I I really appreciate it. It's it's been really good. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I've enjoyed spending a few days um, hanging out, having dinner, talking about motorbikes. Um, always a pleasure. And life, and uh, what goes on between the ears. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because that's where racing really happens is between the ears. Um, uh, we had dinner with Simon Crayfire last night as well. We talked about that as well. And Simon Crayfire, um, outstanding, intelligent, charming man. Um, really, really interesting. So anyway. Thank you very much for listening um, to the Paddock Pass podcast. Um, you can follow us on the uh, on the internets, uh, on the Twitters, uh, twitter.com Paddock Pass pod, on Insta- uh, no, not Instagram, Facebook, on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Paddock Pass podcast. We have a Patreon. I should be uploading some of the audio from the, uh, from the test there for our Patreons. Uh, Patreon makes a huge difference to us, so please support us there, patreon.com slash Paddock Pass podcast. Um, and uh, whatever you use to listen to us, I think uh, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, we're on uh, the Apple Podcast machine. Um, uh, please rate us, review us, uh, help other people to find us. And thank you all for listening all this year. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I've certainly enjoyed being it. I know Neil has as well as of Steve English, Gordon Ritchie. Um, it's been uh, fantastic. Um, Thank you and goodbye. This episode of the Paddock Pass podcast is brought to you by AGV Helmets and the new AGV K6. What you need and what you want in a motorcycle helmet. Top work. That was really fucking good.